Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur's sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. Welcome everybody to the human conversation on oh boy have we got a conversation tonight because my guest is from across the water in the US of A from Orlando, Florida and this guy is called Dale Dupree. He is the leader of the sales rebellion and it says on his LinkedIn profile, write the next chapter of your sales legend. I'm so excited, I know you can hear my excitement, because if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it, but if you're actually listening, you'll be able to hear my excitement. Dale, (laughs) welcome to The Human Conversation. Hey my friend, how are you? Long time coming right here. We've been trying to do this for a while now, haven't we? We have been trying to do this for so long, but this is just wonderful, and it means that we've been busy, so that's all good. Um, I just want to tell the audience that you are the first person that I've had on my podcast who is all about sales. And, you know, some people might think, well, that's a bit weird. Why would she want to do that? Because she's all about sales. But I always think of you like the, the brother from another mother is what we say, isn't it, Dale? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we definitely align beyond what most sales trainers align in. So. I think so too, which is why I'm so excited about this conversation. So as always, I've never really planned these conversations. I just let them pan out and happen. Um, One of the reasons I wanted Dale on the show was for that very reason. We totally talk the same language when it comes to sales. But also we met in the very first place through a connection around our dads. And I think that's quite poignant. And I want to talk about that actually as a starting point, Dale, if it's okay with you. Absolutely. So we were obviously talking about our fathers, how close we were to them, what an inspiration they were to us. Um, So Dale, tell us a little bit about uh, your dad and the story around your dad. Yeah, so my dad's Curtis and I'm Dale, but we share the same name, actually. So my first name is Curtis. I'm a junior. Uh, My son is a third. So my and, and that's a testament to who my father is to me and that he's no longer with us, but he will always be with me. He will always be a part of this family and his legacy will live on through my son. And hopefully my son will feel the same way about that legacy as well. And and will carry the tradition Uh, because I believe that generations deserve to hear the story of my father. My, My father, he was the rock star, Right. He even played music just like I did as well, too. Um, But the big his big calling was football. He was a great athlete. He was the scariest defensive tackle on the block. You know, when I met um, some of the quarterbacks that used to play against him as I got older and started to be more connected into my network from a business perspective, especially, you know, people would say, Dupree, Dale Dupree, is your dad Curtis? And and they'd tell the stories. And it was great. Right. You know, because, again, my dad just, he was that guy that he kind of had it all going for him. And from the outside looking in, you would think that his life was perfect, right? But, but my dad was also a speaker of his truths and he never hid his faults as well too. So, you know, it's, it started with football, right? He got injured. 
he ended up having to come home uh, from Carson Newman and, and not able to advance his football career. And he went and sold paper, you know, not for Dunder Mifflin, but for EGP down here in Orlando. That's uh, another, it's another TV series to come one day and, and went from selling paper to selling copiers because he was just so good at selling paper. Right. And, and again, you know, people thought, geez, I mean, nothing can hold you down, dude. Right. And which was, is the truth. I believe that that part of his legacy is the truth that there was nothing that could stop my father. Uh, but it, it's not like it was easy for him. Uh, so, so as he got older and he, he started to develop his walk, uh, he saw a, a, just a big hole in the way that people were being served from the perspective of the product that he was selling. And then he ended up leaving the big box store that he worked for and, and heading out right to the territory line uh, where his non-compete ended and started selling um, and took on a whole new uh, field and, and, and went after brand new business and you know, planted his roots at that, at that spot. It was called Titusville, Florida, by the way, if anybody's listening. It's from Florida and, and knows it or wants to know it. Uh, it we, it's most commonly known as the Space Coast, so which is a lot of fun, right? Because NASA is actually just a stone's throw away. You can see the VAB building from the river right there in Titusville. So, so you know, my dad also had his struggles, like I said. You know, he was an alcoholic. You know, he, he had a lot of things that were going against him as well, too. But at 35, he called it quits, cold turkey. You know, quit the smoking, quit the drinking, you know, quit the lifestyle that he had, um, that he was living on top of the good things that he was doing. Started to realize that those were toxic to, to the lifestyle that he was trying to create. Um, whereas at one point in his life, I think he thought more along the lines of this is, I deserve this. Like I've worked hard for this. I've earned this. Um, and then he started to become humbled uh, by life and I think what's great about my dad's story is that we, we knew it all of our lives throughout our walk. We under, he always, he was never afraid to tell us the things that he had done and that he had failed in. Um, and then we got to witness his successes. He was a humble man. I hated that. I'll be honest with you. I did because, and I still do because I just wish that he would have relished in, in his successes and the things that he deserved to be spotlighted for. Um, and so that's what I'm doing in my walk now that he's gone is that I'm spotlighting them for everybody to know. And the people, again, the people that were here in our community that knew him and experienced him, they're just, that's just fact, right? It's not a legend or a legacy even, it's just fact. So, so that's a little bit about my dad, you know, and I know that our, we both kind of have the same relationship with our fathers as far as just how we feel about them, how, you know, our upbringing with them, our walk with them. And so I know that you understand the love that I had for my dad. My dad was my hero. He was my best friend. I totally so. do understand that love. I mean, my dad, very similar, actually. He was a wonderful footballer, my dad. Uh, and you didn't know that bit. Um, and yeah, he, he was a great, great footballer. He played in the army. He got a really bad injury where he got kicked near his eye. And it frightened him so much because he was nearly blinded. He stopped playing. So, you know, he had that Jeez. similar kind of experience in football. And then um, he served his customers all his life. Everybody knew John, who was my dad. Um, and again, like you, he just inspired me. He was my hero. Everything I learned about sales was from when I was a little girl growing up, just watching my dad do what he did. You know, that was, that was what I believe sales was. And now I know 
is what sales is. So um, we didn't have challenges around things like alcoholism, which again, I probably don't really understand. Um, But I suspect um, my dad had other challenges that maybe I didn't realize as a child. Um, because he just worked so hard he worked every single day and he just worked really really hard so he was a real inspiration and and the the phrase was there is no such word as can't and so again there's that alignment with with your dad and and my dad Um, and yes I do absolutely know how you felt about him so when you uh, kind of left school and and such what was it that you wanted to be and do Dale I was 17 and I skipped the traditional route of university and going to college and I went directly into the music industry. And at first it was, it was amateur, right? We didn't have a record label. We, we booked our own tour. Uh, we had a, we had a manager that was all in on our success that kind of did it for free. Um, we just had the stars just kind of aligned, right? We had the right support system. We had, entrepreneurial-esque attitudes inside of the band, including myself, obviously. And and we all wanted something big, bold, and bad with that walk. And so we pursued it. We did about 50 plus days on the road in a self-proclaimed tour that we put together again. And we, we pulled two bands that were on labels. And we said, hey guys, if we can get you, because y'all have a name recognition, if we can get you a, a bit of a guarantee every night, um, and we just kind of tag along, and, and, and hopefully kids show up and we can get paid too, or, you know, if not, we'll hustle and sell CDs, whatever. You know, would you be down for that? And I think that most, especially in that generation, this was 2003, 2004. Um, I think that most bands were, were just like taken back like that. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like that's crazy. But, but I think also that the bands that we picked saw the potential. They'd listened to our music. They'd gotten to meet us virtually we met through a, a fun social media called MySpace, which was like one of the first Friendster and MySpace. Those were the two. I heard that Friendster is like a dating app now. So that's pretty fun. <laughs> but I think Justin Timberlake owns MySpace. So that's, that makes perfect sense. That's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so long story short, we did, you know, 50 days in a trailer and a truck. So a truck with a bed, right? So we had three people sitting inside the truck and we had to put three of the other band members in the other band's vans. And we didn't tell them this until the, they got to Orlando to start to, the tour. <laughs> it was terrible of us to do, but but we we bonded with them and, and became very good friends. Some of them I still to this day keep in touch with um, regularly and then others occasionally and some I've never heard from again, but which is a shame because I just love people, but, but we had a blast, right? It was a massive adventure for us. And we came home and, and we had a dozen record label deals sitting at the, at the park bench, right? Just waiting yeah. for us. And so we kind of built, we built our success. We chose an awesome indie label, Brian Coble. He became a very, very, very good friend and a mentor to me in the music industry, even a business mentor as well too. He supported me. I mean, I haven't had support like that outside of my family at that point in my life. And so it was it was something that I'll always remember and then molded me as well, too. You know, I've just been so blessed to have men like that in my life and women like that as well, too. Mm. Just very strong and independent and, and enabling in a, in a good way, you know, where they still say you've got to work hard and do these things to get yeah. to where you want. But yeah. let me help. Let me help you because I because I love you. So so going and doing the music thing was fun. We ended up on Warner uh, Music Group at some point as well too and and we were just you know like right there on the cusp of it multiple times when all kinds of tragedies happened um 
one where one that in, included my band members, uh, one of my band members in particular at that, and then also my father getting a staph infection and getting extremely ill, and and me deciding to stay home from tour, and and helping with the family business, which just basically snowballed into me working for my father, and 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 once I started working for my dad, you know, some people like to say that they got stuck, you know, like I got stuck and I'm still here, like. To me, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, regardless of how I looked at it at the time, because I'm sure there was a little bit of a selfishness in my mindset. I can look back to it even and say, like, I, ne I didn't necessarily want it fully, but I, I, I was interested in trying. Mm. Yeah, but, but it was, again, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I think it's really interesting when you look back. I mean, I always say, only ever look back to see how far you've come is one of my little yes. things I say. Um, but it is interesting when you look back because something that happens at a point in time which actually can feel quite terrible can then also lead to you taking a different path or different opportunities. So it is quite interesting, isn't it, how life kind of takes us on that journey, really. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're working in dad's business. Yes. What happens next? So we, I spent four years with dad um, and, and that was full time, you know, cause I, I did actually come home and, and sold copy machines occasionally when I was touring and, you know, just like that side hustle kind of mentality. My dad challenged me on that too, you know, Hey, why don't you come sell some copiers over the summer while you're home? But so, you know, so I, I had this bigger picture perspective with that said, you know, that life was fragile and it was very short lived in some cases. And that, and then a lot of times it was that question of why. Why is, why is this the way it is? And so there was always something pushing me from, from that spiritual perspective of how do we look at this differently and how do we accept these things? And also how do we come to terms with them for ourselves? Because mm -hmm. our, the, who we are, especially as human beings inherently is that we're curious creatures, right? Yes. It's hard for us to have faith. It's hard for us to say, this is the way it is. But at the same time, it's this notion of understanding what greater power looks like. Right. And what and what divinity truly is as well, too, on our walk. So so, you know, with all that said, when I come home and I'm working with my dad, for me, it was just you know, the next four years were bliss. Quite frankly, I mean, we were in the middle of our little recession here in the United States. And I know it was felt around the world as well, too. 2008, 2009, yeah. 2010. We lost a ton of clients. I came home to that. You know, it, it, there was times when we were eating gas station hot dogs for dinner you know, because we could only use that card, you know, the shell or the mobile card, <laughs> because it was all the credit limit that we had, right? You know, and, and there were times when my dad still had enough reserves for himself to be able to, to buy himself dinner and, and make me eat beans and rice, right? And yeah. to learn, right? And not to enable me. And so I learned all those lessons throughout the process. And um, it was tough, but I, man, I, I stuck it out. You know, that's when I, I really learned my grit, you know, what I truly tapped into that grit part of my life. Um, and then from there, it was just gravy because once things got better and the economy settled and I started selling in 2010, it's really when I went kind of full time, full board, did sales training, found a mentor, went after it pretty hardcore. Um, we started to see record numbers. And by 2012, I mean, we slaughtered everything on the books. And my dad early in the year in 2012 said, man, we've got the opportunity to sell. And I don't know that you want to do that, but um, let's talk about it. You know, and he kind of ran numbers and showed me what it would look like if I was employed with these new, with this new entity. They were still small business. They just were just a little bit bigger than us, right? By about six million, right? So we were doing about two. They were doing about eight, and and it was appealing to me because 
I didn't want to run my dad's business at that point in my life. When I look back on it, it's that hindsight thing where I'm like, geez, I can't believe I gave that away. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's destiny. It's, it's more than, more than fate. It's destiny. It's yeah, just the path that it's led me to. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I kind of look back on, on that time as, you know, another blessing where I got to learn, I got to watch my father negotiate his exit, you know? And so I know what that looks like now. Mm, that's now, really it, good, you know, isn't it? It's that point in my life, you know, and, and with this company, not that the sales rebellion would ever sell to somebody, but um, you know, if, if, if the kids aren't ready to take it over, you know, between me and my partners, you know, the, the, it's got to go somewhere. Right. So <laughs> kids just die. You just never know, do you? And then having seen that you've got that, under your belt in order to use if you need to, haven't you? Right. Great. Absolutely. You know, so I, I got to meet, you know, the squad that came in and took over the, the, the branch, you know, I got to meet them beforehand. I got to understand what my leadership was going to look like and I liked it. And so I told my dad, I said, look, it does seem too good to be true, but let's try it out. You know, cause I'd, I'd made anywhere from $27,000 a year to $37,000 a year on average. Um, trying to just get to keep the business floating and stay, you know, in a in a position where we can at least take a paycheck in the first place, right? But but 2012 I actually made I made sixty thousand before the, my dad had sold the business off, awesome. and 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 it, it felt great. I mean, I'm 25 years old, 24 years old, and you know, I'm making sixty thousand dollars. It's like, and I've I've been making nothing there leading up to this. But I also sold seventy seven net new accounts that year, right up till till uh, September, right. So I was probably going to break that hundred mark. Um, I I went, I, I went into the next year. I, I'll never forget this. And for everybody listening, I tell this story because if you were in this boat now or have ever been, you know the feeling where. I had always, I'd been telling my wife for the last four years, we're going to get through this. I'm going to make this better. I'm going to keep pushing so that we can have that safe and secure life, you know, while still living on the edge and risking everything because that's who I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm going to get us to this good place. I promise. I'm going to work real hard. And, you know, again, it took four years. But when we, when we did that acquisition, I mean, I, my first paycheck that came in uh, was $20,000 in commission. Wow. And, and I remember waiting. I knew what I was getting paid, but I was waiting for my wife to see it in the bank, right? Because yeah. she checked it often. She was managing the money at that point in our life. And, and uh, she sends me a text and she goes, this is real. This is, this is really happening, right? And from there at Avalanche, you know, I, I made six figures in that first year and I never looked back. It got higher and higher and higher every year to the point that it was almost ridiculous um, you know, some people at the company joke, like you're making more than everybody else. Right. You know, you're making more than the owners. Right. Which that's never the case. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, you know, it was, it was an avalanche for me, not a snowball effect at that point. I mean, it just crashed right in a very good way. And uh, I took a territory and turned it into a community. Right. I wandered it. I, I was inquisitive in my conversations. I was compassionate, empathetic in my conversations. I was forthright with what it is I wanted to accomplish from a sales perspective, but also from a service perspective. Um, my father taught me servant leadership, right? And so I, I, I carried those things. And the Sales Rebellion believes in servant leadership as the core foundation of a sales professional's walk. So I spent seven years with that entity. I, I crushed every record especially for net new. Um, I ended up becoming the VP of sales. I left shortly after my father passed away. And 
uh, went to a, a big Xerox company called Xeno, spent a year and a half with them, basically revitalizing their net new business altogether. They had like literally hadn't written any in four years or something ridiculous. And so we came in and we changed the landscape. I woke up just unsatisfied with the way that sales is and the way that people's outlook on sales can be and said, well, I can sit here and continue to participate with the status quo. And, and, and not to say that that where I was was bad by any means, but I didn't see where I could make any impact. Even on my community, I had felt like I had been stifled and kind of been choked out of even my, the community aspect of it. And that was so important to me, especially with what my father had done. Uh, for our community as a copier salesman, right? People yeah. think that's crazy, but it's the truth. Yeah. And and so I, I quit. I quit cold turkey. I had no plans really, just that I knew I wanted to start my own business and possibly to do something in the sales training realm. And three months later, I joined. I uh, launched the Rebellion, the Sales Rebellion, and here we are. I'm uh, six months into that at this point, just about. It's really, it's really exciting to hear how you talk, you know, and how actually how much of a risk taker you are, because I am so, we are so the same. We are so similar. I can't even tell you. When I started this business, which was two years ago now, I knew that I would probably have to do something in sales. It was what I knew is what I was passionate about. But I was absolutely determined not to go out and train people how I had been trained to sell. Because I knew what I'd been doing to be successful was not actually about what they taught me. It was about the connection, the conversation, the curiosity, the understanding the client's world. And I mean, stepping inside that world completely, not just dipping right. your toe, as I say. Right. Um, and I just knew it had to be done differently which is why I created this live it love it sell it kind of methodology and then when I watched you and talked to you and connected with you everything you say everything you post I'm like yes yes this yes and I'm roaring and roaring from the sides and that's why I wanted you on here because now this bit of the podcast is kind of where you and I just I want us to crush sales and I want us to almost bust the myths around sales together mm -hmm. because I know we will but you know tell me that one thing that you really don't like about how sales is put out and perceived in the world yeah I think that so I think that most people and the analogy I like to use is that you're sitting at the Thanksgiving dinner table or whatever big holiday that you you celebrate where family comes over yeah and there's there's those couple family members that they sit down at the table and they literally just argue with you about politics. But what's happening there is not that they're arguing, it's that they're trying to convince you that they're right the whole time, yeah. right? Trying to convince you to join their team and you know, subscribe to their views. And I like to put it that way because that's what people perceive sales as, is that when you call and you say, I would like to do this, the person on the other end is like, I would not. <laughs> exactly. And that's how people look at it. So, you know, to dumb it down, you know, that's the best way to see it. You walk into a retail store, somebody comes up and says, may I help you? What do you say to them? No, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm just looking. Right. And that's the polite way to say it, right? <laughs> yeah. Some people are just like, nope. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but again, inherently, everybody that just heard that, that's what they they would think, right? But yeah. but if I walked up to you in a retail store and I said, I said, hey, gosh, that those shoes... You know, that's actually somebody just walked in here about 45 minutes ago. They headed over to that clearance rack 
right? Kind of picked out some shoes that were very similar to that in style. You know, maybe you might want to go over there and check it out. Hey, by the way, my name's Dale. If you need any help, just let me know. I'll be standing over there, you know, at the booth where you check out, right? And I just turn around and walk away. Like, what are you going to do at that point? I'm going to go look where you tell me to look for those right. shoes. <laughs> and, and it might take like, it might take like 20 minutes for you to do it, right? You might kind of <laughs> lollygag around, but the whole time you'll be kind of like doing the eyes, right? Like looking <laughs> to see if I'm watching and head over to that rack. Yeah. So again, I, I think that, Sales need to be story, sales in general needs to be story driven in the way that we communicate with people and the way that we help them to believe in the experience that we're offering, right? Yeah. It's not about the product or the service for that matter. It's about the experience. It's about the relationship that you can build. You know, we live in a, in a world where it's easy to just get on Amazon and do everything, you know, but with the click of a button, right? Yeah. But I'll tell you right now that everybody listening to this, that they would prefer anybody that's had a good sales experience. They would prefer there to be somebody to support them in these things. Right? I agree. Because when you do have a problem, what happens, right? Like you call an 800 number and it's like, this sucks. But, and maybe you forget about that, right, at some point. But in the moments of it being just so easy to use and whatnot, it's like, yeah, this is fine, right? But we all get to that breaking point. And that's, that's the true form of sales, which is that servant leadership mindset. How do we help people? How do we give them a better experience and how do we nuance that throughout the entire relationship, the term yeah. of the relationship? So. Brilliant. Um, and, you know, things I've heard from people like Simon Sinek, um, you know, always come from a place of giving, expecting nothing in return. You know, I love that kind of element of sales because that is true, authentic selling in my mind. You know, it is about, I want to sell to someone because I want to give them something and I want to help them. And that's actually quite a true thing for me as Jules White. I'm not trying to sell you something to make money. I don't see it like that. I see it as I'm helping you. I'm giving you value. You know, and we talk about price a lot and people say, oh, you know, how am I supposed to price? And, oh gosh, I need to discount. And, and, and you know, I hear this all the time from, the, from my clients. And I'm really, really passionate about value because actually it's about the value we give to the client and their perception of that value. I haven't even spoken about price now. I'm talking about what we exchange in terms of how I help them and what they get in terms of value. That's sales for me. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's why we love each other. <laughs> But it is, isn't it? And, and then you see, I don't know what it's like in the US, but still in the UK, we're still up against the sales trainers and the sales coaches who are still teaching this process-driven steps of the sale methods from the 1980s. You know, and, and I, maybe they're getting less and less, let's just hope so, but they're still being taught that. And it's almost clinging to that fact that, well, we've always done it like that and we've always got results. So that's how we should do it. Right. Thoughts on that one, Dale? <laughs> Honestly, it's the way it's, it's the old guard. It needs to go. And, yeah. and that's why the sales rebellion exists. I mean, somebody interviewed me once and uh, they, I don't even know the podcast ever aired. Actually, well, actually it did air, um, but I'm pretty sure they edited this part of it out because I remember <laughs> listening to it and going, I didn't say that. Uh, or they asked, you know, like, what are you rebelling against? And, and I, I, I just bluntly said, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me about that story yeah. when we had another yeah. virtual cuppa together. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to advance the narrative of of empathetic sales and emotionally driven sales. You know, from the emotional context portion of it. 
Yeah. And, and how do you know, how do we create, how do we use the basics of psychology, the basics of human interaction, the basics behind love, the basics behind empathy, and how do we take those things and, and ball them up into this beautiful thing and just start heading in that direction? Does that mean that every time that somebody that adapts to my methodology or your methodology speaks with a prospect that they're going to get a yes immediately and sell something and make a shitload of money, right? Like, no, I mean, it's oh. going to take time and it's going to take effort and it's going to take that that genuine care that people have to have inherently that cannot be faked. That's authenticity, right? Yeah. To be able to look back and say, I don't care about instant gratification as much as I care about where I'll be in 25 years and what this will look like, right? And this being my community, yeah. this being the people that I serve, this being what I want my impact to look like and my legacy to be when I leave it. Right. And and so that I think that's the big difference between the way that the the old guard thinks and the way that the new generation and the revolution is going to to act and yeah. i i look i meet salespeople all the time for everybody listening thinking am i the only one that thinks like dale there are thousands of us right and i've talked to them it's overwhelming actually how many there are um and and for me to think about it least, which is great i mean that's what we want though yeah. right so yeah. it's more it's more or less about continuing the narrative and helping people to understand especially those of us that have that aren't just thinking it we've done it in our walk Yes. To be able to to enable the people that that also want to do what we did in their own authentic way, you know that's that's why we exist, right? Yeah. We're not sales trainers; we're we're people trainers, right? We're, oh gosh, yeah, love it. I love that so much, and it is about that. And you know, I talk about having a client for life, you know, and 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 this is the point. This client may only buy from you once because actually they only need to. But guess what? They're always going to tell everyone else about you. You know, right. and, and that's because you have connected emotionally, you have cared, you have come from a place of giving. And it's the knock-on effect, the ripple effect of what you and I believe sales is that's the most powerful thing, I think. You know, like you say, creating that community so that actually these are clients for life. I love right. that. I love that. Absolutely. And it's totally possible. But you see, I also believe that it has to take slightly more patience because you have to nurture and you yes. have to keep that consistency and authenticity. And I've come from a corporate environment, Dale, where it was all about the figures, the targets, the number of calls you made each day, um, and the urgency of getting the revenue in, which just completely denied everything else about what sales is truly about. Right, right. Yeah, the corporate life is not easy. <laughs> It's hard, isn't it? But how much would you like to be now looking at changing um, that corporate mindset? Because I know I would. I mean, the big corporates. I, I want to go in and churn them up and say, look, stop, stop focusing on revenue. Let's look at this people journey. Yeah, right. I, I agree with you. It's not going to happen for everybody, but I think there are a lot of corporations out there that are doing it somewhat right. I mean, even if they just care about their people more, like in the, in the States, if you offer a six month maternity leave, I love you. I think that you're doing the right thing because if I would have had six months with my son, my company made me come back the following week. Wow. That's, that's real life. And I have no problem saying that. I don't care who hears it because that's the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. There, there was zero help, zero support. Right. And it was basically, I got a call and said, so when are you coming back again? Like, you're not going to be gone too long. Right. We kind of need you next Monday. Right. Yeah. 
And, and what is a guy like me going to say? I'm a compassionate person. I'm, even though I do care about my, my family and I care about the experiences I'm having with them, I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, look, I like if, if I don't come back and they fire me for some reason, or <laughs> like, then what yeah. do you do, right? So, yeah. so there's turmoil on those things as well, too. But that's what also causes people to have that outlook of trying, you know, the sell, sell, sell mindset, right? And not the nurture, nurture, nurture mindset that you just talked about because exactly. you're under so much pressure to perform and to be this thing that everybody wants you to be, which is literally just a numbers machine. They don't care yeah. who you know and how you know them, right? Yeah. They they look at everything as a process. They it's people, it, you know, it's processes over people is the way that they look at it. So. Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? And I and I always say that I'd like to untrain anyone who's ever been trained how to sell. That's my other thing I talk about, Dale. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we we need to trust our own um, subconscious skills actually because they're the ones that are the best to utilize in selling anyway. I always say life skills are sales skills. I just want to talk about the sales rebellion because I want the listeners to know just a little bit more about what that is. What is it that you do? How does it work? Sure. It's, it's 21st century sales training is the way that we, we describe it. Epic 21st century sales <laughs> It sounds like a movie, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we do boot camps. We call them sales revivals. They're one to two days, depending on, you know, the flavor of the corporation or the small business that we're working with. We do ongoing training, you know, so retention, you know, six months to 12 month contracts, uh, you know, monthly uh, models, right, where you get coaching calls, you get curriculum, um, you even get some on-site visits inside of those as well, too, just just depending on how you set it up. We're super flexible, like we believe in people and, and the process of building better people, again, like we said a little bit earlier and because of that like we we don't want to be just on a zoom call all the time we want to be able to shake your hand and give you a hug and hear the problems we want to be able to feel the problems we want to be a part of the problems so that we can also help with the solution uh, we believe in pattern interrupt marketing we believe in pipelines that are alive instead of old and rusted and leaking you know, we have a different mindset. The sales wanderer theory is one that I that's popular inside of the sales rebellion that I love to talk about. Uh, we have a no theory, which is knowledge needs, observation of wisdom, all inside of our system, all part of the prospecting game, the uh, the the whole concept of how do we negotiate with somebody. I, I cannot stand that word in the first place. Most no, people negotiate, right? Most people negotiate by arguing, right? And and that's one thing that we don't talk about enough. We think that, no, it's a move or no, it's just a game. There are much better ways around those parts of the conversation. And there's ways to be proactive about getting there in the first place instead of, you know, kind of sitting and putting it in the corner and trying to keep it over there as long as possible and then crossing your fingers that it doesn't come up, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's this mindset of, of taking on the elephant in the room and tackling the harder subjects. That's what the sales rebellion is all about. So, you know, we do, we do virtual coaching as well too. We do one day seminars virtually, you know, there's, there's costs that are greater than others, right? Just like any other business. Sure. But what, but what we really look at and how we really run this company is that we're service first and we're people first and we're community first, right? So yeah. I like the whole concept of, um, you know, people, culture, and community, the PCC concept. Um, and so, that's what we're building here. We're building a movement. You know, we like in Orlando tonight, I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but tonight um, we have our first rebellion rally where, you know, it's 10 bucks to get in my food truck that I own, by the way, the bearded chef is the name of that food truck. If you want to check it out. <laughs> Love the that. bearded chef eats on Instagram anyway. But so we're, 
<laughs> we're catering the event. We're bringing salespeople, entrepreneurs, business owners, marketing folks, anybody that wants to, to push back against the status quo is welcome. We're giving people information on how others have built their businesses, both millennials and seasoned veterans, you know, closer to the Gen X group. And, and again, just trying to enable the community. That's what we're here to do. Um, and, and I look to take this worldwide and not just as Dale, but as the rebellion. The rebellion are, is everyone listening that this message resonates with. I, and I believe in you if you're listening as well, too, and keep rebelling. <laughs> oh, Taylor, you know, it is about being a bit disruptive, isn't it, sometimes? But in a really good way. This is not about rebellion as in um, you're actually bad people. This is rebellion in a really, really good way. Um, yes. I hope that one day... I just get to work with you, Dale, somehow. It would be awesome. You know, we're going to make we, that happen. <laughs> we're going to make that happen where we just maybe just deliver something together in a, a really fabulous environment. I would just adore that because we just speak the same language. It's, it's so refreshing to meet someone who just gets what I believe, you know, because you don't meet mm. many who get it completely. They might say they get some of it, but they're not really doing it. Do you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like, oh no, I know what you mean. Yeah. You know there is mean. like, you are, you are so my brother from another mother. And mm. um, listen, I'm going to make sure that all of your links are on this. So don't worry awesome. about any of your little plugs you need to put in. We're going to put all of them in. So everybody knows how awesome. to find you. Um, but what are you going to leave us with? What's kind of the last thought that you'd like to leave us with as an audience? You know, I, so, and I get that question a lot in podcasts and the, what comes to mind, I always just pop on what comes to mind. And I think the thing that I'd leave your listeners with, and especially because they're already subscribed to this new way of selling is that when at daily, when you look at your walk and you look at what it is that you want to accomplish, you know, one of the things that I think we forget about is that a lot of times, even though we're trying to accomplish something unique to ourselves, we're doing it in a way that is very much the status quo, right? It's, there's 10 other people kind of doing it the same way, even though we have different hair color, different physique, we're male, we're female, right? Whatever it is, those things are all unique, right? But the way that we, we present that the, the concept of perception, which is so powerful, is that when someone hears you come in that front door or get on that phone, you're a salesperson just like the last seven. And so the thing that I would leave all your listeners with is to adapt the mindset of changing the game uh, constantly throughout their walk, every moment possible, be that pattern interrupt that folks are looking for and constantly be changing the game. Love it. I love that so much. And can I just finish by saying that your dad is absolutely proud of you. There's no doubt in my mind as mine is of me. Um, and they'll live on forever because they'll live on through us and hopefully through our children and their children too because they were heroes totally mm. they showed us the things that we needed to learn at the, at the vital times in our lives and I think that's very true for both of us from what I know about you Dale so I love our connection I love how we've connected and I know someday we're going to meet and we're going to cause a lot of disruption <laughs> when we do. That indeed. That indeed. <laughs> but thank you so much for being my thank guest. You, my it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. Um, I would like to thank all of our listeners because I hope that that was a truly inspiring podcast tonight. And look, I had another sales guy on with me. How about that? That's called, collab <laughs> that's called collaboration. Um, and, and it's important that we, we take that on board. 
Thank you for listening. If you want to continue following us, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and we're on SoundCloud. So like, follow, subscribe, and comment, because we'll answer any comments that come in. We'd love to, for sure. You know, you just heard Dale, he'll definitely answer anything for you. So thanks again, and tune in next time to The Human Conversation. See you soon, and ta-da for now. You've just been listening to The Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.